Mind Crime Liberty Show with me, Swithin Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss Black Swans and the Precautionary Principle, Part 2, and in particular on uh, what Taleb's Precautionary Principle actually is. So, what is the Precautionary Principle? In its most general sense, the Precautionary Principle, you could say, is look before you leap. Um, you should take you should assess whether there is any danger in what you're doing take account of it and act accordingly so you know don't just walk across the road look before you walk and go mm, okay yes there's nothing coming i'll walk across um so in that uh way you could say the precautionary principle as generally discussed is a form of cost benefit analysis you weigh up the costs and then you look at the benefits and then you decide to you, is it worth doing? Is it worth crossing the road or not crossing the road? That's the essential setup of what is generally considered the precautionary principle. Now, Taylor argues that his view of the non naive precautionary principle isn't actually uh, a cost benefit analysis. The reason being that as we discussed in the previous episode there are certain situations and certain types of events where the outcome is so uncertain that you cannot you simply cannot compute the costs and the benefits and therefore you need a different way of approaching the problem and this is where the non-naive precautionary principle comes in um what he does he distinguishes between um risk and ruin he says that you can um come back from risk but you can't come back from ruin a classic example here is the gambler if the gambler only ever uh, gambles say 10 percent of his income he could lose it that's fine but he can always play another day because i'm assuming he's going to get income every time period so he can maintain it over, over a particular time period he could always gamble but um the problem is that you know, if he um gambles all his money then he's going to have no money left to gamble now obviously he, he could wait to earn some more to gamble it but at least until he gets paid again he simply cannot gamble again he he, he is ruined uh, and but as Taylor notes that's what he would call bounded um uh bounded ruin uh general sort of global ruin would be death uh so if you uh get run over by a car and get killed there's no coming back from there so th there is a big difference between risk and ruin so um what taylor argues is this if uh, a certain activity um could result in ruin well that's not necessarily a problem he has no objection to people doing like free climbing or anything like that which could risk their death free climbing i believe is where you climb up like rock faces without any harnesses or anything like that so basically if you slip you're dead that's not a problem uh taylor's concern is with systems and so he is concerned with uh certain events which could in principle uh bring the system down so ultimately global ruin would be the death of the of the entire human race um now what events would do that well firstly the ones which could cause sort of global ruin are going to be the ones which could affect the entire world basically at the same time uh or affect a lot of people uh very quickly and so 
this is where he uh, he says things like, you know, this is why uh, genetically modified crops we should sort of be cautious of, um, because you're introducing a very large change into the DNA of crops and things, and this can be uh, blown around um, an area and will change the makeup of all the other crops, and this will change a very make a very large and permanent change to the entire system, and in principle. You know, this could cause lots of health, negative health effects. Um, so and similarly, um, he, he would say things like infectious diseases to, are are things which could cause uh, ruin risk because they transmit to each to everybody. And now because of global travel, people go around the world. So any um, any sort of virus or whatever, which might have been historically been you know, kept in, a, in one area for a, for most of its, its time. Uh, will now spread everywhere else and therefore will potentially cause ruin. Now, the question arises, you know, do we know whether a virus or genetically modified crops could actually cause ruin? Well, he says, well, no, we don't. But here comes in the fat tail. Um, if it, we know in principle it possibly could. Now, what possibly means here is not clear, but it could cause uh, global ruin. Um the fact is we'll never know until it's too late. So we have to assume that um, ruin, this time it could be ruin, we have to react accordingly. And so this is how we, he, he then advocates sort of top-down measures uh, by the governments to prevent these sorts of things. Um, that is um, Taleb's uh, general approach. So it's not so he doesn't like evidence as such because he says we well, you don't have enough. There's no way of working out what the statistical properties are of this new innovative um, variant of a virus or um, way of modifying crops. And so uh, rather than it being incumbent upon somebody to show that uh, the genetically modified crops, for example, are dangerous, Rather, it's incumbent upon the people who are wanting to bring in genetically modified crops to prove that they're safe. And so, you know, you need to do real world trials, et cetera, et cetera, to make sure you've taken into account all the real world factors. You know, doing it in a lab doesn't count because you're, you know, you don't have the complexity of reality in a lab. Um, and, and that's um, Taleb's uh, broad view. Um, so just to reiterate, the idea is something new you don't know much about. You're uncertain. And so the tail risk, as it were, is higher. And so therefore we need just on sort of the on a few simple um, ideas that we can base our sort of action on. But if something is new and potentially um, potentially dangerous, we should treat it as if it was. If it is something that could um, could cause global ruin. Because he says, even if there's a very small chance that th that thing could cause global ruin, eventually, if you play the game enough times, uh, we'll be dead and global ruin will take place. Even if any individual case is very unlikely to, uh, to cause global ruin, um, global ruin will be inevitable unless you try to actively stop it in every case. Uh, because statistically, if you play the game enough with a very, very small probability, it will eventually take place. Um, so that's um, Taleb's broad, non-naive precautionary principle, and which explains why he has been, hmm, let's be kind and say, very concerned 
uh, about coronavirus and what the appropriate uh, policy response would be. So, uh, Tim, uh, what has Taylor's view on uh, the whole coronavirus thing been? Taleb has been extremely alarmist. And actually, before following him on Twitter, I knew I knew about um, coronavirus probably much earlier than many of your, as Keith Preston calls them, branch committeeans, as our branch committeeans, other people. Uh, I mean, Taleb was one before it was popular. Uh, you know, Taleb was the guy listening to the, the band when it was just coming out with his first hit um, before, you know, before, before even people like Fauci and Ferguson got on the uh, – uh, trail. I mean, again, keep in mind, Neil Ferguson provided evidence. He provided a model. That model turned out to be wrong. Uh, and this is also true with the um, climate science people, uh, or whatever you want to call them. They keep rebranding it every five years because their models keep being wrong. But Taleb, in this regard, is more folksy. And, and this is a point he made to, um, uh, I think, it's, and I think the name is the behavioral economics guy, Robert Schiller. I think that's his name. He's a Yale economist. I mean, he was in debate. He said, you know, this is about the financial crisis. You know, Schiller was claiming that they weren't scientific. Uh, no, they got too scientific. I'm talking about bubbles as flaky. And Taleb said not scientific enough. Uh, and this goes back to the earlier episode we just did on, you know, what exactly is and isn't science. Um, you know, one, one of the things I forgot to bring up with his critique of Gary North is that uh, this is, is that this is Gary North again. Taleb correctly identifies David Hume as the world's Supreme philosophical skeptic. Humor's obsessive, obsessive Taleb says he never believed that a link between two items could be established as being causal. Um, this is exactly what Hume believed. The question is, this is exactly what it is to be. Um, so, so you know, I mean, one of the problems you said it could cause ruin. I mean, well, could it? Could it not? We don't know. Uh, and it's not clear that Taleb himself has any epistemology or foundation to supply a reason that we know that these things could provide. I mean, he's a skeptic. He's not. He's not looking for evidence. Uh, so you know, with 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 Taleb, the, the, with Taleb, we end up with the, we end up with a sort of strange problem where you're not really sure of what he he comes to his thing, other than ruin. Now I do agree to the fat tail, um, and regardless of whether you want to call it a black swan or a black swan, you know, it, there are no such thing as pure black swans um, because a there are people that know about them and predicting them um, or could know about them. Um, but but again, he's been very alarmist very early on, and he has been doing this unlike people like Ferguson and the imperial modeling folks, uh, which gives him a, a, in a certain way an edge um, where you can't say, well, here's what you said, what you said didn't occur, um, and therefore it didn't occur, uh, and therefore your model was wrong. We shouldn't have done anything. Now, Taleb is actually more sophisticated in that regard. He said, no, no, this was the correct approach. Even even if no one died, um, this is the correct approach. Um, um, so so in some ways, it's kind of it, 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 it's, it's very it's very diabolical in that regard. Um, now, I, I would say one of the problems is, is terms. Again, this is this goes back to terms. What exactly is ruin? Um, he's 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 fine with rock climbing and free climbing and those things. Um, that that's fine with me too, um, but what exactly is systemic ruin? Uh, and, and it sort of begs the question: you know, how many people do you have to kill before systemic ruin is systemic? The whole system, um, and this shows up in the climate change debate. I mean, as people, David Friedman would argue, you know, a little warmer temperatures. If you just assume the models are correct, and you assume that the temperature of the Earth and the sea levels are going to rise. You know, as long as they rise slowly. Um, 
so what? We can we can solve that problem. Um, it's not it's within our realm. It's actually places like Alberta, Canada. There was actually an ad that someone said that climate change has positive effects. This was in Canada because Canada's going to get like more fertile land for, for longer seasons. Same way with Russia. Um, they'll have longer growing seasons. Northern England, I would imagine, have longer growing seasons too, so you get more crop yields. Um, um, so you know, there are benefits to that as well. So, 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 I mean, what how how systemic is the systemic ruin, so to speak? That's that's one key issue. That's even even with his sort of a truth, you know, his sort of you know his inability to be nailed down with a hypothesis, which again, Mises himself and these sort of you know, these sort of a priori people have this problem too, you know. You know, you know this is Walter Block would say like, you know, what would two Popperians do? You know, well they go to the, you know, two Austrians would go to the logic. Popperians would just run tests, you know, um, and he's running counter tests and counter testing. You get sort of in a rabbit hole of testing. Um, so I do think there's a more sophisticated or folksiness, you know, whether it's the sophisticated or folksiness of some question. Um, and actually, Taleb is pro paranoia. You know, he says like, you know, you know, your grandmother, you know, if there's water on the floor, you don't drink it. Um, you know, and actually, Taleb brings up a lot of old examples, like, you know, people used to not want to go to doctors, uh, and they just sort of use their sort of common sense intuition. They just say, oh, this this smells bad or this looks bad. And actually, Taleb has led me to to lots all sorts of books. That state that like many older medicines were actually killing people. Um, this is this is one of the things I brought. That that one of the neat things about fooled by random is, you know, doctors used to kill people. Actually, the person who came up with modern bacteria theory died himself in a hospital in a mental asylum or something like that of the very disease, from my understanding, um, that he was saying. You know, the doctors weren't washing their hands um, and actually making people more sick. Now they they could provide evidence with a capital E this was occurring. Um, um, so, so yeah, my, my basic question I'm going to ask you with is how systemic does systemic risk have to be for it to be a systemic risk? That's I use systemic three times in a sentence, uh, you know, because this doesn't really have you know, how many people does it have to kill to get to, to, to qualify for that? And, and then number two is, you know, how can we how can we actually hold Taleb accountable or these sort of precautionary principles, people accountable? Um, so to speak, um, if it's even possible, um, or is this just paranoia and we just sort of have to, you know, trust the paranoia with him? Well, systemic isn't too difficult. Uh, systemic would just be for the system level and there's interconnectedness. And, you know, I, so I, I wouldn't deny that there is um, that there is some direct links that you can take place when you've got people moving around uh potentially spreading virus. Now, that said, it could be spread other ways as well. So then you raise the question of, well, um, you know, uh, is it being, I remember some people arguing that so, so influenza virus is just carried by the wind. Um, and there's, there's not really anything that you can really do about influenza viruses overall, which goes into whether lockdowns work or whatever, but that's another another point. So I don't think systemic is the problem. The problem is the ruin, I think, is the problem with Taylor's view. The only way Taylor's view makes sense is if you distinguish very sharply between risk and ruin. But the problem is the only way you can have genuine ruin in his sense that he wants to use it is um, is, is is like literally everybody dies. Everybody. 
because then the entire system, the human system will fail. Because if there's only one like female and one male and the females of a certain age, then the human race can continue. Uh, so you have to go there. And it kind of recognizes, but then he sort of like references, oh, we know like um, localized ruin. And it's like, well, you haven't given me any reason why I should care about localized ruin. Now, you could do, you could make the case. Well, what I care about is 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 England or America, and I want to prevent the ruin of, of that system. But then you get into continuum problems. You know, when does the system fail? If you have, um, I don't know, the Articles of Confederation come back and the Constitution ends, does that mean America is, is systemically changed? Well, yeah, but does it matter? Well, is 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 it good or is it bad? That 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 isn't clear. Um, so once you go away from the hard case, it's quite difficult to determine uh what genuinely constitutes it another problem with taleb is he says oh this new new virus or whatever oh, we could, it could cause ruin and then it's like and then in other parts of his essay uh he says well we know that uh, that um like what was, it, what was earthquakes oh earthquakes won't cause global ruin because we've had loads of them in the past and they've not killed us and so, oh, we can functionally give the probability zero. And this is the interesting thing is what Taylor claims you can give a functional zero probability to and what you can't give a functional zero probability to. Because if he says you can have a functional probability of greater than zero, then he can use his precautionary principle. If, you, if, you, if it's zero, obviously you can't. Um, so he does seem to be somewhat inconsistent. Now, what he'll claim is, well, we know we've got good ideas of what you know earthquakes can do. But to which the, the, the response could be, well, we know what influenza viruses do. They don't kill everybody because they never have. But then he says that's an illegitimate argument. But I don't think he follows himself consistently uh, with that. There's an additional issue, which gets back to our maths problem, our, our maths episode. I think implicitly what's doing a lot of the heavy lifting here is the notion of infinity. He doesn't say this explicitly, but his argument was this. If it is possible that uh, a certain new um, innovation has a global ruin risk. And let's suppose we do this in the hardcore sense of everybody dies, literally all humans die. Um, then what he says is if we um, assume it's not going to be a problem and, and act like that, then eventually if we play this game uh, enough, with a probability of one, the whole human race will die. But that only makes sense if you play it an accountably infinite number of times. But you can't play the game accountably infinite number of times. Consequently, the, the probability is not one. And therefore, the justification for his non-naive precautionary principle fails because the, the justification of it is, well, it would definitely happen if we didn't do this sort of precautionary response eventually. So we have to treat as if this time was the one time it could happen. But the thing is, he can't actually tell us that that would ever actually take place because it would depend on a countably infinite number of events, which by definition cannot take place. Uh, now, I, I've never heard Taylor on infinity, but I suspect he 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 would accept the use of it, uh, of countable um, um, infinities. Uh, so I, I think that is uh, a real um, problem uh, and that does a lot, a lot of the um, the lifting of Taylor. So actually, despite in his response and uh, his responding to objections to the non-naive precautionary principle, saying you're just doing cost-benefit analysis, Taylor is in fact just doing cost-benefit analysis. Uh, 
Also with Taleb as well, he just seems to ignore uh, opportunity cost. It's like, oh, will you drink some, so, uh, like, uh, will you eat some sweets you found on the floor? Well, it's like, well, it depends. If I had an option between sweets from a bag that haven't been opened and sweets which were on the floor, well, I eat the one from the bag. But if there's an option between not eating and eating the sweets, well, you know, I'll eat the sweets. And Ben Taylor will say, well, you know, uh, we know we can have short term pain. We can do like hardcore lockdowns early on and we know what's going to happen. We know what the cost of these this is going to be and it's worth taking them to prevent ruin. But the problem is. Given his whole shtick on complexity, he has no idea what the costs of lockdown are going to be. We've never done them before. The world is a complicated, complex place and all these various things happen. Interesting stat I saw today. Apparently, China's economy, according to GDP, grew in 2020, whereas the entirety of America and Western Europe collapsed. Well, is this a good outcome? Could we have predicted this? Maybe you wouldn't have predicted it. But it'll have big ramifications for the future. Well, potentially, depending how badly damaged the Western and the um, and the, uh, the U.S. economies are following this. But um, the issue with with Taleb is ruin and risk and an outside genuine global ruin. I don't think you can make a categorical dif- uh, distinction between risk and ruin. And. His notion that you will eventually get kicked and everyone will die of global ruin with a new event is basically, I, I think, implicitly based on countable infinite number of events, which simply aren't possible. So, uh, yeah, uh, overall, Taleb is, is 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 basically paranoid. That's basically the conclusion. The comment you made about infinity, uh, I entirely agree with. I think it's a great point. You don't play the game an infinite number of times. So Taleb is using the precautionary principle. It's not naive. It's, it's a very naive cautionary principle in this borderline hysteria because you don't play the game an infinite number of times. But the, one of the points that I think needs to be stressed is the point of intergenics. This is a point that I actually learned from Taleb. Now, again, this, this point's been around other other sources have made this point. It's harm done by the healer. Um, and actually, Taleb himself has been against calls of the interventionistas. Um, he has a paper on that. Um, been, before this, he was very much against the inter- interventionistas, the classic libertarian position to be against interventions because of unintended, unintended consequences. Um, um, so one of the problems with in- interventions is uh, is well, we can't t- ever tell if they actually entirely work. But even, even if you do interventions, um, they have unintended consequences that we're not sure of. Um, now, Taleb's precautionary principle is basically it's like we have this such a we have this huge disaster coming that anything done will be better than to get this huge train wreck um, that's about to happen. Now, the trouble with the intergenics argument to me, the, the, the feature of the intergenics argument is there's also the cost. And we know the, all the costs of the lockdown. Um, um, we know all the costs of the lockdown. And it's unclear of what the actual benefits. We can't really precisely put an empirical thing, but we have these sort of rule of thumb studies like Sweden, like parts of Florida and parts of Idaho um, that sort of look like North Korea and South Korea. It's not a perfect empirical test, um, but it's pretty close to one. Uh-huh. I mean, also Belarus and Nicaragua, too. Um, uh, they haven't done much, and there's not bodies in the floor. So, so, so one of the arguments about intergenics regarding the precautionary principle is if you do some sort of draconian action um, to prevent this sort of super, you know, disaster, um, um, you know, there's 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 costs related to 
uh, uh, the action, and this goes back to your point about, uh, you know, he is doing cost-benefit analysis. Um, um, so, which I think is related to this, which another point related to intergenics, and I think is loosely related to intergenics, is another idea of Nassim Tlaib's, um, which again, it's not his idea per se, but he definitely uses it. It's, it's, it's the ancient Greek idea of stoicism. You get this sort of most marked surrealist as well. You can only control what you can actually control. And that sounds what comes up as a sort of tautology. It sounds almost sounds it, but it's actually a very good piece of life advice. Like, like for now, I can't control the weather. I can't control. Um, I can't control a lot of things. Um, but in theory, we, we, we don't have to shut down all the restaurants. We don't have to close all the hospitals to non-emergency, uh, you know, to, to non-essential services, you know, like cancer screenings, for example. Um, we don't need to shut, you know. So there are, there are things that we can control. Um, and it seems to be, in general, that the COVID virus is just out of our control. And again, this goes back to that sort of rule of thumb study. But Taleb, and this is his folksiness, doesn't really uh, take that as an example per se, because it's just such extreme risk that we can't do. Now, there's some risks related to the precautionary principle, and I see this in our older episode on the uh, the virus part two. Is there's some risk that we don't really have any so, uh, thing we can do about? I mean, I still don't see anything we can do about um, uh, asteroids or comets. Um, and by most mainstream um, natural historians, it'll debate when it exactly happened. But um, there is large cataclysms that occurred in the past, um, at some point in the past, uh, uh, and we don't really have anything we could do with that. You know, I think I think parts of Florida were basically underwater. Um, parts of so and, and you know the, the climate of Europe has you know you can see this with the Little Ice Age as well. So there's you know things have changed. Um, you know, like the Mississippi River is gonna might change its course and put half of 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 Louisiana underwater and half in the current track the Mississippi will be entirely dry. Everyone in New Orleans will be have no water and there'll be no it'll just be a creek. That that could happen. It nearly happened in the 70s. There's an extreme disaster that could happen. Um, so there's a lot of extreme disasters out there that we just don't have any control over, which is one of which one of the strengths of the sort of libertarian laissez-faire approach. Um, we don't need to do anything um, because very few things might work. Um, so so I just wanted to stress the point that intergenics and related to stoicism, uh, uh, which is just a classic libertarian position. You know, um, we don't if people acting privately can't do something, what makes you think the government can do? Now, maybe there's a market failure or maybe there are some solutions. Um, but to go back to the rule of thumb example, it seems to be that there isn't, and, and we know there's huge uh, uh, cost-benefit trade-offs. But uh, your, your infinity point as a technical matter is excellent. Um, one thing Taylor pointed out was, oh, he made some really, really stupid uh, argument that, oh, look at these places that wear masks. Their infection rates are much lower than those who don't wear masks. Look, we must wear masks now as, as a precautionary principle. The thing is, I wasn't aware of this uh, until last year, but there's been loads of studies done on the effectiveness of masks in various different contexts. Um, you even have um, things like uh, surgeons saying whether it's worthwhile wearing surgeons wearing masks. Now, apparently the surgeons wear masks not to protect the uh 
the patient, but to prevent blood splatter going onto their face. And and, um, and masks have been a hugely debated topic for ages. At no point has there ever been a mandatory mask wearing of everybody around uh, the country. And so you, you don't even know what's going to happen to it. Taleb likes to play the, oh, something. Uh, the things I care about are uncertain. Therefore, we have to have the precautionary principle. The things that um, uh, I that you know in principle could end up having negative effects overall. Oh, we already know about those, so it's fine. And it's like, well, you, you simply don't know that. So it, it just seems to be playing fast and loose with what we do know and what we don't know. And then um, assigning to make his model work, assigning objections to it as basically having a zero probability whereas his can have a minute one and therefore that means it makes all the difference because that's because that's how his argumentation works um so uh yeah it's and, and again your, your point is good you know oh the human race will eventually die well, well everyone thinks that well unless you're going to go if, unless you want to take uh, the second coming of or a theological uh, perspective well even then it's going to end and and you could say that sort of well I suppose the second coming in a sense is global ruin insofar as, well, the old dispensation has clearly been uh, swept away and replaced by something completely different. You know, uh, you know that is that is ruin, global ruin of sort in, you know, in, in sort of like a, a somewhat strong sense. So it's like, well, why do we care? Uh, his point, I mean, I can understand his point, you know. If you're uncertain about something, you know, it could have um, great overall um, uh, risks. It could be a lot worse, but it still doesn't mean you shouldn't do them. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, imagine the world uh, uh, that, that Taleb could control the way he wanted to with coronavirus. What would have been the result of that? You would have had quarantines in every single country. For two weeks um international trade would basically be uh halted uh and i don't know how long he would need this to go on for over and he may even do it on a regional base because i imagine he would suggest that in america there would be well no you just um well you don't leave your house i mean if he were to do that i mean what would the result of that be well the thing is you don't know what it's going to be now, now he would argue, well, is this is is this um, risking ruin? Well, will it cause everybody to die? Maybe you don't know. I mean, we don't know how how the virus is transmitted. This is the thing that's annoying with him. He he he, he says there's things we know about it and the things we don't. And it, it 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 it's like he continues to be a complete alarmist, even though we know what the infection fatality rate, broadly speaking, is, and it only affects old people primarily. Uh, some people under the age of 50 do, but it, it's it's not very many, and they have tend to have underlying health conditions. We know that, but then he keeps saying we don't know enough, and it's like, well, when do you need? When do you know enough um, mm-hmm. about things? He's 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 just um, completely unclear. But but back to the previous point. You know, if we were to lock down everyone else, do we know what's going to happen? I mean, could everybody could that could that induce global ruin? Well, possibly. I mean, if it's the case that, um, well, I suppose you could say that the virus transmits by the air anyway, everyone would have died anyway. So that uh, wouldn't have made uh, any difference. But I mean, certainly you could make the case for localized um, sort of localized global ruin. 
So I suppose you could you 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 you, you could go that way, but then as as you pointed out, you know, the time preference point. Do we want to try to get the human race to exist forever? Well, it's like well, everybody thinks it's going to end at some point. So so then you get the question is is really a cost benefit question. That's a good point. Is well, how long do we extend it for? And then it's interesting because Taylor is very schizophrenic. It's like folks religion. What who do you care about primarily? You care about your children, probably your grandchildren, and maybe potentially what your grandchildren's children will be. And that's kind of the nova generations people think about and they'll plan. Taylor, though, goes away from his folksy thing and then then uses the spectre of a global ruin sometime in the distant future after millions of years. Well, it's like, well, is that going to take place? Uh, well, well, I suppose it does. Well, so what? Um, so I, I don't think you can actually get away from making uh, cost benefit claims, despite him trying to carve out a niche for him to say he's not actually doing cost benefit analysis. And if and as I said before, if he if he can't do that, then it's non naive precautionary principle literally just is um, is, is is cost benefit analysis, which then is subject to all the criticisms that you could levy about, especially uh, of lockdowns and the unknown effects of them. So that would be my sort of a broad view on that. The precautionary principle ends up just being naively precautious, which is fine. It's fine to be precautious. You know, look before you leap. Um, um, I, I, I do think I do think his ideas are relevant. Um, and I, I, there are certain policy aspects that I, I don't think are totally stupid. Um, I don't think closing the borders of the United States or Britain for a week or two for China um, when we know there's a virus is actually a bad idea. And actually, in this regard, Trump was actually did a good did a good move in that regard. He should have reopened them fairly quickly afterwards. Um, 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 now, this, you know, now again, we're all the open borders crowd um, now. Um, but I think the internal, like the internal ones, um, um, are sort of are, are sort of ridiculous. Um, so, so yeah, we know we know those uh, we know those are. Uh, uh, can be have problems. So I do think there's some mild things that don't cost a lot um, that can be taken. Um, but sometimes, sometimes you do have to drink the water that's on the floor. You know, if you're stuck in the desert and there's water on the floor, there's a dead animal there. Sometimes you have to take that. And this this goes back to this economics point about scarcity. Uh, we live in a scarce environment, uh, and eventually everything's going to be ruined anyway. Um, in theory. In theory, again, ask astrophysicists eventually to heat the suns, to turn into a white dwarf. Uh, ask uh, Christian creationists or other creationists the actual existing world. Now, you get into sort of esoteric technical debate about exactly what's going to happen. Um, but there's going to be some ruin of certain aspects of the world anyway. Um, so, so, and again, we all we have our life expectancy of like 81, actually 81 to 83, depending on different countries. Um, so those people are going to die. Everyone's going to die. And actually, this, this, and again, this is where, you know, the, the, the COVID skeptics get called selfish. But it's worth pointing out, many socialists have made the case that elderly should, should die earlier. I mean, Kim Jong-un said this, more or less. Um, um, and actually, you know, you know some, some of the critiques of, like, a Western medical care is that it, it, it's too cost-intensive. You know, because people, on the one hand, we have assisted suicide for elderly who are in pain. Um, and actually, many elderly do not like being locked up in nursing homes. This is a quietly, this does not get reported. 
Um, they don't like getting locked up in nursing homes. Actually, and people like Cuomo were sending them to nursing homes, which is hilarious. You know, the as Rachel Maddow, Rachel Maddow's Cuomo sexual president. Uh, if anyone wants to follow that. Um, so yeah, there's some short-term easy costs that can be might might be done that might happen, but ruin might not be able to be prevented entirely. And we're not playing infinite games, which is the point that Swithin made so elegantly. So that's my final comment, Swithin. Oh, I, I would agree. I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily have advocated closing uh, the borders, but for a short time. But that 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 can, that, I, I mean, that is more defensible than the other things. And, and yeah, and in general, um, cost benefit analysis and being and being and uh, being somewhat cautious is good. I mean, because you know you might die and you can't come back from that. So it does make sense to be uh, cautious to some extent. But the thing is, what Taleb has completely thrown out of the window is his general principle about skin in the game. You want people to make decisions about their own families, their own businesses, and determine whether the costs outweigh the benefits. And if the costs outweigh the benefits, they don't do something. And if the benefits outweigh the costs, they do. This is not something that can be centrally decided uh, of what the, the overall benefits and the overall costs are going to be in any meaningful sense. It's just arbitrary. And the people making those decisions do not bear the costs of those actions. I don't remember the government employees or the politicians missing a paycheck during any of these uh, lockdowns. If they had, would they have taken a different position? Almost certainly. Um, so uh, I think Taylor is, I think this shows that Taylor is ultimately a somewhat schizophrenic character. He should have remembered his skin in the game points with him, but he... Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. He, he completely thrown it out. He completely forgot the skin in the game. That's what he has, which is just bizarre. Mm-hmm given that's what he's, he's, he's known for, and that's his major thing. So, um, yeah, I, 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 there's no naive precautionary principle. It's just the basic precautionary principle. It's just cost-benefit analysis. And cost-benefit analysis only makes any sense. You have skin in the game. You don't have skin in the game. Therefore, none of this makes sense. Uh, and, and I think that would be a more consistent reading of um, Taleb's uh, general thesis. Um, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening now. If you've enjoyed this, please uh, share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on YouTube and Podbean. The more subscribers we get, the higher we go in the search rankings and the more people can listen to the show. And, and if you want to contact the show for any reason, please uh, contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. <laughs>